At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella Lundberg here, the world messenger, and I am inviting you for another epic episode of Legacy Leader Show. Today we have someone who is joining me just the next door state from my favorite Colorado and state that I love, which is Utah with amazing mountains and gorgeous backgrounds. Uh, but someone that actually is um, known as Ghost Rider has phenomenal background in writing and depicting and storytelling, right? But also it's really passionate about creating a value, impact, influence, and positivity, but most than anything through communication, written and verbal communication. And what best way to learn on this show how to position for success than with Bruce Kazanov. Bruce, how are you? I'm great, Isabella. Thank you for inviting me to join you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I mean, you have such an intriguing background, you know, from graduating from Wharton School to being involved with a lot of interesting companies, uh, always a forefront of that breaks of innovation and that uncomfortable growth, right? Then a lot of times we resist and don't want to embody, but then to really beautiful way of how we deliver that and how do we package and turn into tremendous success. And beside you are obviously influencer on LinkedIn, being appointed in that role, long time ago through the LinkedIn itself and have such a great, not only following, but people that really appreciate your art and craft. So Bruce, um, with that in mind, before all of this happened, just tell us a little bit about your background and how did you even get into the passion of writing communication and realizing this huge opportunity that is never dying? So uh, how did I, I think I, I kicking and screaming, I got pushed by the universe into it, not to be too in new age, meaning that so in the last 10 years, I, everything I do revolves around writing. Uh, although I actually think of it as everything I do revolves around conversations I have with, with my clients who are all entrepreneurs. And, and then I write, but you know the conversations and the questions I ask people are really the core of what I do. And writing is a way to, to do that. Um, I used to think, if you asked me 15 years ago what I wanted to do, um, I it's not politically correct to say this anymore because he's been you know, revealed to be not that great a person, but I used to watch the Charlie Rose show where they he sat around a table with a black background and he had conversations with influential people um, or just interesting people. And just think, I want, I want to do that. That's the most fascinating thing. And, um, and that's essentially what I do today. And the way that I do it is without a, no TV camera, I do it with writing. And so I love that. I mean, I've written for years. I wrote a book in my first book in 2001, but I never, if you asked me at 30, I wouldn't have said I was a writer at all. Mm -hmm. 
so interesting. I love what you just shared there, how sometimes some shows or people and personas or, or, or just some situations influence us. I was like, this is so intriguing. And we don't necessarily initially feel like, oh, we could do that too. Right. But how do like that curiosity spark so many great ideas and help us to reveal ourselves, right? And our, our true passion. I think it takes a really long time for some people, myself included, to figure out who you really are and, and what. So for example, I started working in television stations and, and radio. I, I worked for WGBH, the public TV station in Boston for four years. And, and, and at that time, right out of college, I had to decide, am I creative or am I business? Because there were two different paths in the station. And I, I, I remember thinking about maybe I should go into be an intern in you know, Nova or this old house or some, and I, I remember being uncomfortable with that, that, that I felt almost like an imposter to, to do that. And, and so I went in the business end and, um, and now, you know, I mean, probably 10, 15, 10 years ago, I think it dawned on me, no, I was completely, I mean, I went to Wharton, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I understand business. I like business, but I'm a, creator not a business type you know and so it, it it took me 45 years to figure that out and I don't blame you because a lot of us as you said are going through that journey and and creativity in a full-fledged way uh, was not really exercised then practiced those most recent years with virtualization with uh, gamification with so many elements of it became more uh, cherished accepted and in high demand right mm -hmm. and in order to be further developed you need to know and recognize and you need to nurture that and not many organizations and let alone even universities uh, had that um, right. as, as we were well, people I mean I think the people yeah. don't get it either like so for example I when I was in business school, I wrote a humor column for the newspaper, mm -hmm. and meaning the Wharton Journal, and and so that's a pretty big clue that you know I like writing, I'm good at it, it's something that gives me pleasure, and somehow I then thought, but I thought like that's my hobby or that's my, you know, I never, you know, so I just think that when it comes to self awareness, we can be clueless just like completely you know like somebody else could say like i i remember um oh who was it ben platt the guy who um you know um what's the broadway show he's in um he just did the the movie adaptation dear evan hansen and and he was being interviewed on the radio and he talked about when he came out to his parents that he was gay which he did in a phone conversation because he didn't want them to hear he was away at camp and all this and he remembered he related basically being like you know how are they going to react when they will they be shocked and and talking to his mom and dad who were like tell us something we don't know it's perfectly fine and we're 100 behind you but you think in your head like oh my god like i can't admit that i have a desire to whatever be creative be you know different be 
So. Yes. And, and it's so interesting. And I love that we're touching on this, how many things changed us in recent decades, right? Not only because of innovation and technology alone, but demands and the speed and expectations and then also how we interact and, and, and what's and more um, allowed or what is more now acceptable, what is more now inclusive, right? All of those things. And I think for many of us that are also very creative, uh, tapping into that creativity, it definitely not only opportunity to shine, but truly to bring the craft to the light, which you do in a phenomenal ways. Obviously, as a ghostwriter, you can't say, oh, that piece was actually written by me. But you also do your own share, fair share. But that doesn't work so well in my business. <laughs> no, no, with me. <laughs> no, but it's so interesting because I would love to depict that because uh, I remember people pitching, you know, it's like, you should uh, let, let me know if you need help. It's different when you have the idea like a lot like helping to wordsmith craft polish gain clarity i mean obviously english is my sixth language so somebody like you i'm like yeah no brainer right but to me i'm always had a conflict because when even early stages of my writing before linkedin changed so much when i was actually featured in many groups uh on on linkedin uh with my original first blog first hundred that i wrote and I remember that I was like, I'm determined not to be the victim of, you know, not being born here and not going through early education here, but to really master the English the way I can master so I can write, right? And, 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 and then own that. And I remember people as like, uh, is somebody writing for you? I'm like, no. And there was always this conflict with people that uh, I will hear. I was like, you should, as a leader, stand behind 100%, you know, who you are. It's all about you and your voice. So do you mind picking a little bit about that? Uh, I wouldn't say stigma, but very different approaches where people are still feeling like even I'm too busy or too lazy, or this is not my forte, or I don't care, versus uh, truly, genuinely, I'm struggling because English is not my first language, or I am struggling because I am not 100% yet clear. And that is something that I see still happening for so many people. Well, first of all, I want to say that you make me feel so humble when you say that English is your sixth language. And probably the worst experience of my life other than personal tragedy has been 10th grade French class, you know, for me where I just, I have no ability in other languages. So I just think that for you to anybody switch languages and then write is unbelievable. So I want to acknowledge that, but um, I, I mean, I think there are all sorts of reasons. I, for example, two of my three kids who are all grown, um, when they were in elementary school and high school, could not handwrite and take notes in class. Wow. Both highly intelligent, creative people could not, they could type, but they could not handwrite. And who knows what it is about the brain that, that could not. So I had to fight for a year or so each to get them. I mean, actually, the second time was easy because they have this Every, nobody wants to put a, a laptop into school because they're worried the kids are going to be surfing the web. And so they invented this thing that has no web connectivity, but remember. So, so I, I, I get that people are different and that we have some people like to talk. Some people, you know, if you put a blank sheet of paper in front of them, they, they are crazy. Some people, you know, are on their fifth or sixth language. So there's all sorts of reasons. I, um, I don't, 
it's interesting. I don't think of myself as helping people to write. I don't really, that thought doesn't even enter my mind. I think of um, the things that the people, so I usually have, let's say four or five conversations a day with clients and each one is a conversation. And and I, what I, th I think, when I think about the things, the reasons that they use me for help, I think number one is that um, it, they don't know how to focus. A lot of writing and creativity is what's the nugget here that's really interesting to me, but also to other people. And, and if you say to people, so for example, the most terrifying thing to, uh, a, let's call it a 14 year old in school, is if your teacher says to you, write a two page paper on anything you want. And people do not, they, that's terrifying. They do not know how to do that. If you say to somebody, which they always do, read the 10th chapter of this book and say, which character, which of the two characters you feel most aligned with and why, people can write that paper. You know, so they need help narrowing, you know, and what. And then um, what I find when I have conversations with people is that they don't have, they have too much context. So like, what's in your head? You'd like, oh, there's three things I could write about or whatever it is, you know, and and they have a hard time keeping people, um, helping people to have context. What are you talking about and why in doing it at the proper pace so it keeps people interested. Mm -hmm. So meaning like, let's say you talk about your, your, your experience early in life and how you went from one culture to another, I'm making this up, but you know, and, and it, it might not be apparent to you that you're losing somebody, that they don't know that you just said in a sentence, something that you could write a book about. And, and maybe you should write something that's much narrower, or you should write about what it felt like the first time you, you felt you didn't understand the language and you had to, you know, understand it or whatever it is. And so I think it's that focus and clarity that people um, struggle with. And that, I mean, I struggle with, I think like, how do I, how do I get someone, you start to think about all this um, social media, writing a book, writing a story, you're, you're diverting somebody from the 2000 other things that they could do. And it's just hard. And it's hard to figure out how can I, you know, gently, but, you know, in a positive way, pull someone into this story I want to share. Wow, that is so powerful. And 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 I, I I totally agree with you. Lack of focus, lack of concentration, too many competing ideas. Obviously, technology has a little bit of side effects too, right? How much we're on the phones and using devices, how we're plugged in that is so hard for people also now to plug out and have a clarity of idea. Uh, so um, I, I'm 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 fascinated by by the demand, by the need. Definitely I know it's all damn high, but in the same time, I'm just curious, you know, it's like how do you uh, obviously you have your craft and art, how do you break that down and help them to express themselves? But with that clarity, do you mind sharing a little bit? Because so many people truly are struggling with clarity. What will be some suggestions and advice for people that are seeking that clarity? Um, how to 
gain it and how to pause and level set with that. I, I mean, it's the toughest question, you know, that there is that. Um, so uh, there's a woman I know, Tasha Yurik, who has written a, a, a couple of books, uh, most recent which title I forget at the moment, but um, is basically she touches on self-awareness and she says how um, if you ask people, are they self-aware, 90% say yes. And if you measure self-awareness, 10 or 15% of people are self-aware. So the vast majority of us think we're self-aware and we're not. And mm -hmm. so when you say clarity over, for example, telling a story, well, it's hard to have clarity over the story you want to tell if you're kind of clueless about who you are, why you do things, you know? And so I kind of think that the communication and writing is largely about who am I, what's important to me, what matters most. And so the willingness to like remove the veneer. Um, another friend of mine, uh, Paul Corona, he's, he, um, runs the leadership program at the Kellogg School. And um, he talks about the uh, behind the bio story. So like, here's your, you know, oh, I'm president of this. I wrote this book. I did this, whatever, you know. And, and he was like, great. OK, great. But like, who are you really? Like, what really caused you to be the person you are today? And, and your ability to tap into that this is me, not him now, um, to write on that level, to write not as the vice president of sales for Cisco, but to write as, you know, as Bill or Susan, who's a 47-year-old who has, you know, yeah, she's good at this, but this is what she really cares about. You know, it's that. It's, it's mm -hmm. the more human you are, the, the, the more compelling your stories will be, um, and the more, so self-awareness is partially, you know, how do other people react to me and how do I perceive myself and the, how do other people react to me is critical kind of in, in storytelling and like, is everything I say going over people's heads or not? So like paying attention to, let's say you put something out there and nobody responds. Well, don't do the same strategy again because it maybe you know maybe there's a small number of people in your network so you should get five and you get none you know i pay a lot of attention to that not because i need to have a thousand likes every time but i want to help somebody or have something that i, I wrote or said resonate so i pay attention to was that like like that sometimes you'll get people with a like or comment, and you can tell it's like, they're being nice, they're being, you know, polite or something, versus somebody, um, the last couple of days, I've had a few people who have written me a personal note, you know, in response to something I put online. And um, someone said, you know, hey, I went through a similar thing. He was talking about I got divorced a couple of years ago. And, um, and I'd be happy to share an anecdote that really helped me. And I'm going to write back to him and say, sure, that'd be great. But, you know, that's evidence that you're doing something that connects with other people. So you just keep trying to do that by being genuine. And then 
when it works, learn from it and do it again, do more of it. Don't publish the same exact thing, but be that sense of open. And, and open doesn't have to be, you know, I tell you unbelievably personal things. It just means I tell you who I really am and what really matters to me. Yeah, that vulnerability, that raw vulnerability, the process, the way we think, the way we show up, right? And that definitely has um, great uh, sense because it's like reading your posts, like, oh, I have a good sense. I, I, I already, in a way, indirectly or directly know you, you know? And 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 that's that the, where you also build the trust, where you also build connection. And ultimately that leads to influence. Uh, but I love what you mentioned earlier. Uh, Tasha is one of the co uh, Coloradans here. And, yeah, uh, right. yeah. and I had also a chance to um, check some of her work and through the other people to really hear about uh, some great stuff she's uh, working on and doing. But, but the beauty is I love when you're also referencing um, how actually we all have a chance and opportunity to adjust our game, right? Mm -hmm. If things are not working, if we're not happy with them, how can we change them in a way that is meaningful to us? And mm -hmm. then how to build upon uh, and expand and go further, right? Because a lot of people right now paralyzed to even try. Um, and, and that is, um, again, really interesting uh, phenomena, how much we hold ourselves back due to fears and different factors, but also how we're conditioned the way we're educated generationally, you know, it's like mm -hmm. you can't fail. It's expected from you every single time to get it right. And writing, expressing yourself, your ideas, it's not about getting it right first time, isn't it? Right. Actually, you know, I, it, it, as you were talking, it occurred to me that I, I rushed past something I should have said. So on my website, which is Kazanoff, it's my last name, Kazanoff.com, uh, Tasha inspired me to create a section called influencer, increase your influence. And um, influence, I mean, in a positive way, not like, you know, be an influencer. And because she has a group called the Tasha 10, where she's taken these really unbelievably impressive people around the world and have brought them together to be supportive. And um, I, I, I'm not sure exactly how she would pay it forward, basically. It is, um, it's an outgrowth of, 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 of a Marshall Goldsmith initiative. And, yes. um, and so I, I, I did that, well, I was inspired by her. I did, I presented it to her Tasha 10 and it's still up on the website. It's called Increase Your Influence. If you go there, you can see it. And there's 10 different principles in each one. And it, it, it kind of answers a lot of the, the questions we talked about so far, but in a way that there's, a, there's an example, for, there's a principle and example. And so it was my attempt to um, to, to make a, a referenceable set of answers to, to this type of question. How do we, how do we inf influence others in a positive direction um, and a genuine way? So that's, that's my best attempt to, to do it. Oh, that's awesome, and I love that model, and 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 it's uh, and I love also uh, avenues of paying forward because that's what's really all about, right? How do we pass our knowledge? How do we impact people as while we're still around? Of course, written words will always be there to echo 
after mm. we are gone and through our books through our blogs whatever I feel like you're talking a lot about after we're gone it's making me sad but okay no no no. but you know, because the reason because from legacy standpoint a lot of people think that legacy only gets fulfilled when somebody passes away and pass yeah. something onto you know the world the reality is you make an impact and influence and legacy right now and that is the beauty because a lot of people uh, don't realize that how intentional every action and, and every step of the way actually builds that uh, momentum and opportunity and, and how huge that can be and, and domino effect mm-hmm. and, and consistency around that, right? So, so that's why I wanted to defer because a lot of times uh, we wait for something magical or major to be in order to A, celebrate or recognize or whatever. But reality is what we do uh, consistently, even those small little steps that build up upon something greater and bigger. Um, with that in mind, I'm really curious about, obviously, we seeing people uh, having different values, dealing with uh, very different approaches, but ultimately what we're still seeing consistently, communication issues, right? And, and I'm seeing this in the boardroom, I'm seeing this in organizations and different sectors that doesn't matter where the thing organizationally fits. It's like, we do talk, but are we truly communicating? Are we really connecting? And what are we communicating? Either it's through emails or any types of written word, let alone conversations, uh, sessions uh, that we have. So do you mind sharing a little bit from your valuable perspective, how you helping and navigating others to be more, again, clear in their intent and communication uh, and, and process around that. Any, oh, anything so, you can suggest? Right, so I wanna call out somebody for this because I think um, she's better than I am at this. Um, so a friend of mine is Molly Chang. It's the Swiss spelling, T-S-C-H-A-N-G. And she is a, well, it's a website and a video series and a radio show slash podcast called Say It Skillfully. So sayitskillfully.com. And um, I helped her in the early stages of conceptualizing, like how does she use her skills, but she's done it ever since. And um, she's one of the few people who have given me permission to to say that, meaning um, she had this vision that she didn't know how to act on of, helping people say what needs to be said. So in an organization, in a relationship, and um, and Say It Skillfully ended up to be the embodiment of that because Say It Skillfully started as a video series of Molly essentially presenting a problem. What do you do if your boss is thinks he's being so funny and supportive, but he's really being obnoxious and belittling people? How do you tell him that? And she would set that up in a 90 second video and then in 30 or 40 seconds say exactly how you would say that to your boss so model the way to do it and the i to the degree that i helped her to develop that it was me listening to molly you know in many conversations explain to me or somebody else well how do you what do you do in that situation And I would say to her, I still don't know how to say, I don't know the 35 seconds to say, I still would be terrified to walk into my boss's office and do that. And and so that single insight, which is that we understand the principle, but we don't understand 
the actual words, you know, and so we, we stumble and we mess it all up. And in watching, if, if I would encourage anybody to, to go there and watch, you know, five or 10 of Molly's videos, it'll take you 20 minutes in total. And what I realized that she does is she says like five things in 35 seconds. Wow. So she, she says, she doesn't jump right in and say, you know, Bill, you're offending people. She never says that. She says, you know, I want to do a bad job at this, watch her videos. But she basically says, Bill, I want you to know I'm 100% on board with, with what you're trying to do and, and, and the idea that we're all working together to, you know, achieve this goal. And I know that you're 100% committed and I appreciate that. And I know you've always had my back and I appreciate that. Um, I want to make you aware of something in a positive spirit, you know, to help us all do that together. And, mm -hmm. and I, I think that you are not fully aware of the times that you say something that, that causes someone discomfort that you thought was amusing or witty and it, it, it doesn't land that way. And, and I noticed that you don't see that it doesn't land that way. And therefore you're not aware of, you know, some of the, the, the negative consequences. And so by doing it like that, by breaking it down, by thinking, you know, it, it, it comes back to, I said, you know, some, a few minutes ago about context, by saying like, just enough to say, I'm not attacking you. I don't hate you. I don't think you're a moron. I'm not offended personally by anything you're doing. I want you to succeed, but there's something you need to know. Like for example, my shorthand, really shorthand way of, of doing with my clients is I have a tendency to say the first time we talk and then a couple of times thereafter say, I apologize, I'm very direct, but it's always in a constructive way or intended in a constructive way. And almost always the people I work with say, no, no, please do that. And we have a relationship in which I can say, I have no idea what that meant that you just said. And they don't get offended and they say, they try again. And they say, well, why didn't you get, you know, whatever. And so it's knowing that the other person knowing that you're not attacking them. You're not, you don't think they're stupid. You don't think they're sexist. You don't, you know, whatever it is that, that uh, is the hot button. Most of us rush past. We don't, we don't take the time to say, I want you to know I'm not attacking you and, and then say something. Yeah, that we're quick to respond. And then the listening part sometimes is uh, not only get diluted, but also doesn't really frame properly. And we see as a result, so many relationships detrimentally being affected personally, mm -hmm. professionally, and communication is still number one issue. Uh, what I see in leadership, as well as overall in business setting, but honestly, in personal life as well, right? Yeah. Because you have to meet people where they are, understand their capabilities and capacity, but also emotionally, what triggers them and, and what comes out uh, through, through conversations. And often- Well, you have to do all that. And yet each of us is somewhat flawed and each of us has our own emotions and we're impatient and we're disappointed and we're, you know, whatever. So you have to do that as a person who is carrying your own baggage. So it's easy to say the principle, but then like, <laughs> why, why weren't you more, you know, 
sensitive in the like I was exhausted by the time I got to the six o'clock and I you know so it's it's really hard in actual real life to do a lot of things that you know we know yeah I, sh I should do that it's hard you know which is why you know you don't you don't hit send on your email you know without thinking and you don't like if somebody makes you angry you don't pick up the phone and call them, you know, and I write a lot of things that I put, you know, not in the drawer, but in my Google Drive that I never publish or never send to anybody, but it makes me feel better. And it makes me realize, okay, you're being kind of a jerk. So now, you know, just pick up the phone and say, you're sorry. You know? uh, sometimes we need a process and that's so much sure also to know this triggers me or this is where vulnerability comes in from the behavioral standpoint as a behavioralist. I see that all the time. That's why it's so important, again, knowing where people are. But I love how you said how important it is to preface this before we say something. Hey, Bruce, the, you know, I just want to quickly to know rough, rough few days uh, on, on many fronts. Uh, I hear you. Uh, we have a deadline. How do we execute this? Or uh, uh, I really feel like that is great long-term strategy. We need something that we can move the needle right now. What would you recommend? And mm -hmm. just the tone, the uh, obviously choice of words, selection, right? It gives such a different delivery mm -hmm. and different intention. And, and then you don't have to fake it till you make it to tell me where you're coming from, but matches with your energy, matches with your intention, right. matches with your words as well as uh, obviously your body language, right? And a lot of times people feel like, why do we struggle while we're still having this push-pull? Because we're having competing thoughts, ideas, and we're also having very competing agenda. So if you want to, to just resolve something peacefully and I wanted to get my way no matter what, it's gonna create a clash and more audience we have, there's gonna be more challenging to navigate and deal with that, right? So with the communication, I feel like we see so much happening right now. And I just love the way you mentioned um, how it's important to preface. Kudos a great work that you did uh, with the lady that you just mentioned, and I'm definitely going to check out. Holly Chang, yeah. Yes, and yeah. but I think I've seen it, uh, some of her videos in the past mm -hmm. when you mentioned her brand and all of that. But see, those are the things that stand out. So it's like, how do you tweak and polish when somebody maybe gets 95% right? How you get that 5% that gonna make huge game changer financially, mm -hmm. visibility-wise, credibility-wise, right? Impact and influence-wise. Mm -hmm. Well, so uh, that's, that's why I exist, meaning that I um, how, I'm, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. So like, I'm the opposite of like a grammar geek or people talk about like Oxford commas and I like fall asleep. I have no interest in any of that stuff. Right. But I do think that there are times when if you just cut off the first sentence in a post or a piece like for example most people do not understand in a way that they act on that the first five seconds of what you say truly matters that people so i, I when i was first in the linkedin influencer program and there's like a hundred of us in it and and the executive editor sent me an email and he said i really like what you're writing but your headlines make people think. And when you have 2000 choices in front of you, you will not click on the one that makes you think like it's not a good thing. It, it, it should be obvious. 
you know, this is like, for example, my one of my best headlines was um, $75,000 buys happiness, more doesn't, you know, based on the study that says, you know, after a certain point, more money doesn't make you happier. Because that headline is a good hook and it tells you what I'm writing about. And it, you know, so whereas people generally say, I don't know, you know, I was, I was running, jogging the other day and I was, and I got to thinking that, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then like in the third paragraph, they actually say what might be interesting to somebody. And, yeah. and so a lot of times uh, people have, if, 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 if you let almost anybody, if you give them enough room to say, what is it that you're trying to communicate? They can say in a compelling way what they're trying to communicate, but they don't start with it. Mm. Or they come in and like one of my key, key, key principles is uh, one message at a time. And so if you know this is the one thing I'm going to do, and I don't care if, if you want to, you have to get three approvals from your president, do it one at a time, unless he or she is completely like, give me the whole plan and I will do it. But it's just too much for people. Like, I want more thing. You know, like if I was selling, trying to sell a software system, that's all I want. I want to walk out of the office having sold the system. That's that's it. I don't want to also get them to buy the service or whatever. And so to me, I do a lot of, of pruning of just saying, can we start with the most interesting, most enticing thing that a way to say what you're doing? So like, um, I don't know, if somebody says, um, I want to tell you about the day I almost died. It's a much more compelling opening than, you know, customer satisfaction is so important. Let's talk about customer satisfaction. You may end up in the same place, but it's how do I get you into the conversation? Mm. That is so powerful. And I love, love what you said um, that we are programmed almost to explain and justify. And it's also very interesting to see male versus female dynamics, right? Specifically in corporate America and where communication, it's like almost like that expected politeness and excuse before even asking for something or, or, or expecting um, for something to happen and how we're programmed to culturally play the roles, right? And then generationally, now we're seeing for first time five generations in workforce. And, and then we have wisdom from all of those that we can extract and highlight. But then again, how do we relate to everyone? How do we speak that we are truly heard or very well read or very well understood? Well, so I have something that long, long before I was a writer that I I thought about, which was, so I used to be in the personalization space, meaning using technology, personalized customer relationships, mm -hmm. and which was kind of back in the Amazon getting going days. And, and, and to do that, I used to give a lot of speeches and I, I tried to come up with a definition of intelligence that was specific to what the work we were doing. And what I, I came up with was intelligence is, is having something meaningful or valuable to say to a person and knowing the difference between what's valuable to one person versus another person. 
And it is that difference. So for example, and the analogy I used to make was, let's say that a nice young couple moves next door to you and, and, they, and you, they come out, you, you meet them on the street and you're talking to them and, and they say, oh, you know, what do you do? What does your husband do? You know, oh, what's your dog's name? And, and you think they were lovely, you know? And then you come out the next day and you see them and they say, oh, what do you do? What does your husband do? What's your dog's name? And you think that was kind of odd. And then the next day they do the same thing again. It's like, we need to be able to remember what makes one person different than another. What are your values? If you want to talk about legacy and, and long-term meaning and what, you know, and someone else wants to crack jokes, I can do either one, but it really helps to know the difference between you and to know, you know, you're not like a, that's, do fart jokes, you know, and somebody else is like very intellectual. It's like, what is it that makes you, you? And, and that's intelligence. And when we um, evidence it, when, for example, you tip off very early, um, let's say you see someone after six months and you remember that their daughter was just starting middle school and you say, you know, how did Clara do? Is she adjusted to school? You don't need to go for two hours on that topic, but you 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 just signaled that you listen and you pay attention and you care about them. And and there again is something a lot of times that we skip. You say like, I don't want to get into a big conversation. You you're not necessarily getting into a big conversation. You're signaling that you see the other person, and that's I think that's really important. I love that. And, and everybody wants to be heard, right? But most than anything, they want to be accepted, understood. And with that in mind, others through their craft professionally uh, and, and, and getting better and only fool things that they know it all and they don't need to change and make any uh, adjustments, right? right? And with everything that is going on around, around us, more than ever, we need to do that. And obviously for you, with such amazing trajectory of your career and how many people you uh, people you are still helping and continue to help, uh, I'm curious, uh, Bruce, I mean, you'd accomplished so much, obviously you already have very strong established legacy. As you said, that you tweeted that you change that you over the last even decade um, crafted more into this beautiful way of helping people to gain the value clarity impact influence through wordsmithing and uh, also distilling those ideas into brilliant uh, state states that others can consume so I'm curious what is next in your world and also what would you like your legacy to be what would you like to be remembered by Big question. Just that's just just a little question. Uh, of course, <laughs> that's. So I I'll tell you that. that so I have a. Um, <laughs> this is this is my afternoon for for, for names. Um, I have a friend. His name's Charles Vogel, V O G L. Um, he wrote the book The Art of Conversation. Um, he started a, a little a beta group. Uh, I'm in like the second or third wave of it. Of people who were trying to foster community in a much more significant significant way than I am, and uh, and and I joined it. I asked to to, to join it because uh, I'm thinking about community. That's what I'm thinking about as, as now, and um, and not like a community like I want to get a hundred thousand followers way, like a a real community supporting each other, and. I'm wrestling with 
um, what kind of community I want to be instrumental in in uh, nurturing, coming to pass and, and nurture. And and um, I think that the biggest legacy is always um, do you influence in some positive way how other people you know act you know because they touched you or whatever um in many cases it can be they don't even know that that you had you know like it's not like oh well let's have a monument to you or let's do what bruce said or anything like i i think is more powerful sometimes when they have no clue that you know um somebody founded this you know 150 years ago and i don't know who it was but meanwhile like ten thousand people have have participated in it and so um I am thinking community. Um, it's it's really interesting when you um, break it down. What, for example, community according to Charles um, means there's there's some initiation which is largely to to give you certainty that you are in a community and you belong to it. And he he gave an example the other week of. Um, a really big company that he was consulting with that the person who was essentially unofficially running the program didn't think he was a member of the community. He just thought he was staff and, and, <laughs> and it wasn't. And, and Charles said, you know, are you kidding me? Like, and, and that's how Charles realized that, wow, we got a problem. We have to do something to formalize this because, um, because he thought, well, we're bringing in all, all these thought leaders from around the world. Well, I'm not one of them, I'm just the, the administrator. And and Charles was like, no, you're an essential, the essential player here. And so it it's that sort of thing. Um, there, we, we don't realize sometimes a, how fundamental the, and basic the challenges are. We don't think we belong to be here. We don't think we're part of this. We don't think it's our responsibility to make it better, either through saying something or doing something different. Um, those are those are the things I I pay attention to now. I love that. It's so ironic that I also look at the models of communities and tribes, or you know, how certain companies with their brands created this cult in a way. You know positive, obviously, like, you know, Peloton, for example, whatever, people that are so gung-ho, passionate and driven, and then exhibiting that, and I, 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 it's more than sense of belonging, more than just that tribal, you know, alignment, right, of, of what we believe in, and, and synchronicities, and, and um, opportunities for us to uh, thrive in such a different, meaningful way, but I think that is um, such a great way of, passing on something also uh, for generations because we, we sense of community and sense of belonging, well, it's one of the biggest issues that people mm -hmm. felt during the current time, right? Well, I think it's still completely a huge growing problem. It you know, so it's not going, it's not going to go away with COVID. It's, it's, exactly. it's a huge problem. It's yeah. something that wake us more and may make it make it more prominent uh, in our own psyche, right? To seem more visible, right? Well, I think the, the issue, like you know, all the books have written about it, that we're more connected and we're less connected than ever. You know, we don't actually have communities. We have like a lot of people we're connected to, but we don't have 
um, you know, do we have someone you can call in the middle of the night if you need help, you know, do you, and someone that we trust unconditionally, someone that's going to do act in best interest for, uh, for us, that's not going to uh, jeopardize um, their their own, uh, yeah, agenda. Or, or you're willing to, or you are willing to, like, if you call me, I'm going to help you, period, of course, you know, and, and you know that. And, and I think, for example, um, parent-children parent relationships, adult children, a lot of times parents say, that, well, you know, I'll always be there for you. And the kid says, no, I don't know that. You know, you're, you're not, you're, that's not your history. And so it's all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. That is very powerful. And I'm totally with you because uh, as we need those more meaningful, uh, impactful connections, more human connections, more vulnerability, more that real raw, raw and rawness uh, of what is to be human and navigating complexities around us, mm -hmm. but also all the challenges that are presented. And then how do we exercise to be more compassionate, more kind, more, more inclusive and more supportive. And I love that. That is fantastic legacy to reflect on and, and, and definitely to carve just because again, that's why people commit suicides. That's why people live in very dysfunctional relationships and also never fulfill their dreams, never really gain clarity and never gain the path forward and actualize their potential. So kudos for helping people not only to actualize their potential, gain vis uh, visibility, clarity, influence, and impact, but also worth meeting. Uh, and, and I know Adam, Adam downplaying by any means, but the clarity of the words and, and communication, I think, again, it's the crown of all all of this so um kudos for sharing that and do you mind for audience and listeners share how they can engage with you i mean who do you typically engage i know you're spending a lot of times helping successful entrepreneurs to get even better uh, also larger companies and what is the path to get to bruce right so it's easy you just go to kazanoff.com my last name and um and i have a contact form there and if anybody who puts anything in i respond to and um, I, I, I would say that I'm uh, so biased towards individuals and not companies. Like, although companies pay me, I'm always working with a person, uh, just always. And, and I also, even if I'm just talking to somebody, I'm always talking to a person. And, and that's probably my greatest lesson, like meaning I learned, not I came up with it, is that you know, because I, I talk to my clients or, I mean, some of them are, they have a two-person company, but some of them have, you know, they've raised $200 million this year or whatever it is. And, um, and, and I just see again and again that they're all people, they're all human beings. They all have like, yeah, you know, so I was on whatever the Today Show, but I, you know, my daughter threw up on my lap, you know, it's <laughs> just like, everybody's a, a human being everybody has you know your kids are never impressed with with what you've done and you, you just so i love um i don't know anybody wants to say anything I, um what, one of the things that happens when when you publish as much as i do is people assume you are so busy that you couldn't possibly answer anything and some people try and you know cultivate that and I don't think I've ever been so busy that I couldn't answer somebody. Maybe it might take me, you know, instead of an hour, it might take me a day, but, you know, I don't really understand that part, so.
That is amazing. And I love that because you're not afraid from ego and you're approachable. Obviously, you're on the Legacy Leader Show. We have this wonderful conversation. We're depicting some stuff um, that can help others. But also, I, I agree because a lot of times people that posture that are too busy or too this or too that, they're not there for the right reason to begin with. Yeah. And, and, and it's just a fortunate waste of time, right? But they don't know how much they actually shoot themselves in the foot. Um, but reality is that when we have C-suite executives that are leading billions of dollars portfolios and they do find a time or, or they find to uh, support people or communities, uh, I feel like that is the new trajectory that we're all aiming and desiring. So it's uh, just great to see you pioneering in, in that space and, and leading the way. Okay, <laughs> I don't feel like a pioneer. I just feel like I try and like, be human, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and blazing the paths, absolutely. So what would you like to leave audience with um, some of your wisdom, obviously, from all of these experiences um, that are struggling either with clarity or communication or just in general being vulnerable human and, and, and just leading with where they're at right now? Because so I, I would be really simple. And this is from, I mentioned Paul Corona at Kellogg. I would leave you with something that, that he says constantly is ask more questions and listen. I mean, that's, that is 100% the formula for having a better life, connecting with people better, having, ironically, having your voice be heard because I can, I can get what I want across by asking better questions and listening. So if I, if I do what you're doing today and what you've done a great job of just ask questions, listen, like for example, the difference between what you've done today and what many people do who are doing a podcast or an interview is you actually have listened to what I've said and you built on what I said. You didn't go and say, okay, well, here's question 42 because I, I wrote down the 42 questions and they're disconnected. It's, and people understand that there's a huge difference when you listen and then you say something. So you've indicated to me and to everyone else that you're actually paying attention. You're actually thinking about the conversation as a back and forth. That is, is so critical. And um, people who do it have better relationships because it's like you indicate that you care, you pay attention, this is valuable to you. You're learning, you're imparting also, you know, insight and knowledge, for example, the ability to ask another intelligent question based on what was just said is a tremendously valuable skill. And so I just think those are the real superpowers that are underutilized so much of the time. And if you do that, you have plenty, plenty to share with other people, plenty of value to add. I can add value by asking you a question that causes you to, to, to share something that I knew you, I didn't know what you were going to say, but I know you're really good at something. So I give you the opportunity and I just added value. That's, mm. that's, I mean, I, it's, it's so fundamental to me to do that. Um, and most people miss that opportunity. Thank you. Thank you so much for highlighting that. And, and I cannot agree more specifically as we're dialoguing with more people in business settings and decision-making and everything else, right? And, and, and when that is the disconnect, it's hard. But when it's not, 
when it's such a great connection and when you really feel like that's genuine mutual interest of success or understanding and then building upon that is where the mojo is and 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 that could go and add a lot of zeros in the end that could that can right <laughs> Fantastic, Bruce. This was awesome. I really appreciate uh, your time and opportunity to share on Legacy Leaders with us today. And we will definitely check in with you on down the road in a few months. Uh, but uh, for audience, again, uh, for everyone to see you and your website is kazanov.com. We'll definitely make sure and that it's known. And everybody, please, please, please connect with Bruce on LinkedIn. That's the platform that is most trusted. This is where he's thriving, where he's visible, and where you can really learn how he is how his brain works, how he fortsmiths, how he polishes things, how he tells the stories and how he truly impacts and influences people. So Bruce, wish you a fantastic remainder of the day and chat soon. Thank you, Isabella. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Legacy Leader Show. If you enjoyed the content and had a positive experience, then please leave us a positive rating. In addition, leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.